The thing I love most about this rivalry, yeah. everybody's wrong until the result comes in. Let's go. They always say, throw out the records when it comes to this rivalry. On that day, you have to prove that you're the better team in the state of Michigan. I don't get why both teams can't be great at the same time. It doesn't always have to be one or the other. I love you, man, but you're an idiot. A Michigan, Michigan State podcast. And here's your hosts, Justin Rose and Michael Spath. Hey, welcome to the pod this week, the week, uh, week four of the college football season. Our respective teams each have a homecoming game at, uh, at their respective stadiums this weekend. And Justin, you know, I think last week I jumped right into and you're like, Hey, you're going to ask me about my weekend. Are you going to ask me about anything going on? And (laughs) I feel like, I feel like this weekend was sobering for a little bit for Michigan. It was very sobering for Michigan state. Uh, Yeah. And considering most fans of both programs are probably Detroit Lions fans, also, it was a very, just a very humbling weekend overall for Southeast Michigan sports fans. If you live in the greater Seattle, Washington state (laughs) area, you're having a great Monday today. Yeah. I didn't even think about what the both of them. Yeah. 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 You know, if you took took the two for one, Mm -hmm. you know, and you came all the way over here and you watched Washington just look like a top three team. Arguably, yeah. Arguably. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Seattle, obviously doing what they did to the Lions, kind of, you know, unfortunately, the blue ski mask era has come and gone. It was like <laughs> a fart in the wind. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, Let's and get away and from that as fast as gonna, possible. Going to have to probably, uh, you know, change your villain moniker to something else. But, um, but yeah, that, that, I, I think both teams, a um, little bit of a, little bit of a gut check for both in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but. I mean, let's just start with, I think the, the bigger story is what is going on in East Lansing. Well, let me ask you this, Justin, because I watched this game and we had talked in the pod, both pods last week about uh, the importance of this game and what it could mean to the program. And I watched the pregame uh, on, on Peacock and, and, you know, following along on Twitter and Harlan Bennett leading the team in the walk. And it seemed like everybody was energized and ready to showcase themselves against Washington. And I know coming out of it, a lot of the takes are, well, this is about to be a disastrous season and Michigan State's going to fall apart and all the stuff that was going on with Tucker was too big of a distraction. Maybe, but, and I, I want to ask you if that's your take, but when I look at this game, ultimately what I saw was Michael Penix Jr. was the best player on the field. He was the best player on the field a, a year ago and he shredded Michigan State secondary, which finished, I looked this up, 125th in the country last year in pass defense. Well, look, they have a equally bad secondary it appears to be and I don't know if this game this blowout was anything more than Michael Penix Jr. did exactly to Michigan State this time around what he did to them last year plus some I mean he had 300 what 70 yards at halftime yeah so let me ask you was this was this game in your opinion a reflection of what the rest of the season is going to be all this Tucker stuff or was it one really really bad matchup for Michigan State that Penix Jr. just took full advantage of? I think it's a combination of both. Uh, you know, first, all credit is due to Washington coming in, staying focused, doing what they needed to do to come in and be successful. Obviously, that offense is humming. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very good. And Michael Penix Jr. has been in college for as long as I've been alive. So Six years, right? I mean, this is his sixth yeah, year, I believe. Is, yeah, yeah, this is his sixth year. He's got and, the COVID you know, year. He's... Yeah. he's, he's, he's Look, when he was at Indiana, he was like the best player on the team. 
with a bunch of scrubs. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's really what he was. So they won games sim- single-handedly because of his ability with his arm and with his legs. Got a better situation at Washington, but you got to remember, you know, and, and this is what's so crazy about college football. There was all this talk about Deion Sanders in Colorado, to, you know, the first team that went 1-11 and to go 3-0 and the next year. You know, the turnover was quick. You got to remember, wasn't it just three seasons ago? Three seasons ago, Washington came to the big house, and yeah. they got boathoused. Right. And now, two years later, here they are with a team that put up 713 total yards. Remarkable. 536 through the air, and most of that, you know, was Michael Penix Jr. I know their backup came in in, in mop-up time and, and did his thing. So you have to first and foremost, and, I, and this is, you know, we, we talk about trying to be measured and have measured opinions and takes here. That's a really good football team, and they're going to make a lot of teams look foolish. That's just how Washington's offense is. They've got a really great offensive coordinator that's hand-in-hand with the head coach. The defense, you know, doesn't have any maybe quote-unquote stars. From my perspective, now I don't study them, you know, in depth. I don't want some Washington Husky fan to be like, you don't even know who, you know, Billy is? Like, uh, no, I don't. But he's the guy that makes yeah. he, he's the guy that makes that thing work. That being said, the flatness that the team came out with, the missed tackles in the first two quarters, I mean, that's what really, really hurt them. You know, they, Washington might have scored on every possession they like yeah. they did, but the fact of the matter is they had them, you know, four, five, six-yard gains, and they just kind of bounced off them, and then they would turn it into a big play, mm-hmm. you know, and they had a couple of receivers break some big ones because of some missed tackles. So those are really concerning. A lot of people are really, you know, I mean, I – more than anything, I think this shows that Michigan State's offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, they've been under the spotlight for the yeah, past couple yeah. of years, and this game magnified their deficiencies. Yeah, I think it, that's a great point because Scotty Hazelton, the defensive coordinator, I have heard from Michigan State people, I've heard from other media pundits, like, how did this? how does this guy keep on getting his contract renewed? And there was a lot of call for him to be replaced last off season mm-hmm. and Mel Tucker decided to, uh, to, to run with him. Like, Hey, this is my guy. And we're going to, you know, now, now we could say we, we really don't trust Mel Tucker's judgment on just about anything. Right. But bringing Scott Hazleton back looks like a really bad move. I don't think they'll fire him mid season, no. but, but, and honestly, we need to see how all those, you know, what they do with the coaches, but Harlan Bennett, his first game, his first audition, didn't go so well. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, you can't say one game will ultimately determine whether he has an opportunity to get the job, but it's not looking very good. Mark D'Antonio came back. I mean, we talked about it last week. Moore's an ambassador. Moore's a stabilizer. Uh, you can't stabilize when the talent deficiency is is that significant. And, and Justin, you said this last week on the pod, too, and because you had mentioned that before this game, before Mel Tucker got you know suspended, he had said this was his most talented team right. at Michigan State. And if you guys give me an opportunity, let me show you what we can do. What do you do with that comment now? Because at least for one game, the talent disparity between a top five team and where Michigan State is looks as big as it's looked at any point in the last three to five years. You know, I think there's something to be said about like zooming out a little bit and looking at like, you know, Mel Tucker wanted to change the culture. He wanted to instill, you know, like all of this confidence and swag and I don't think he instilled any toughness. Mm-hmm. And I it, that was maybe the most palpable part of this is like when you get hit, what's your response? And there was no response. The response was bad blocking, poor tackling. The, the play calling was 
what were they trying to accomplish with a lot of this this type of play? I mean, these slow developing runs and Noah Kim kind of showed that maybe he's not the guy. And yeah. and yeah, you can beat up on an FCS opponent and be, be called Big Ten Player of the Week. And then you throw just a god awful pick six where I don't know where he was going with the ball. There just isn't enough toughness on that team. And look, kids can have a certain part of the problem for that not being like a thing, but that comes from your head coach. Like that, that's why Mark D'Antonio teams were typically always like a tough out because they may not win every game, but golly, it's going to be a tough, hard fought. They're going to smack you. They're going to hit you back. They're going to block hard. They're going to tackle hard. Like again, if these guys don't want to wrap up on some of these like crossing routes, that guy's got to be on the ground because you hit him so hard. And so you have to ask, okay, well, why aren't they? Is it because they dialed back the practice to keep people healthy? Which, again, that's a that's a fine line of how hard you practice and tackle, like tackle in practice and then transferring it to the game. But you have to you have to have a toughness where you're down 14 to nothing at home and your response is what? A three and out? Yeah. Like yeah. that like that's the thing that like I think most Michigan State fans are unaccustomed to to seeing from this team is, is most of us don't care if we lose the game, but 35, nothing at halftime at home in a national spotlight game. When there just seemed to be no pushback, there was no, nobody said, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to take over. I'm going to do something different. And that's where I, you know, the, the, you have to wonder if like the outside distractions were too much, or if this was going to be, I don't think that game changes if Mel Tucker's on the sideline and, and they were not talking about it. No, anything. probably not. And, and because ultimately, again, I mean, they had Michael Penix jr. And, right. And, and you didn't, and, and Michigan state did not, I, you know, you're talking about the toughness factor. And I know I've seen so many people, the hot take afterwards of like, well, Kenneth Walker, look how good he was. It was all about Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker, this Kenneth Walker, that, which then we, the next day we watched Kenneth Walker score a couple touchdowns against the lions. And he had a couple of plays where, you know, he bounces off someone and get, and I mean, like, we're like, ah, as a Michigan fan, I'm like, son of, I've seen that guy before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it was all about Kenneth Walker, but what I think happened is after that 2021 season, he moves on and a little bit of Michigan found culture in 2021. And those guys, what they did is they pass it on to the next team. Yeah. And they kind of said like, Hey, now we've set the precedent. We've, this is who we are now. And like, the leaders that were sophomore, the guys who were sophomores and juniors stepped up and said, Aiden Hutchinson's gone, right? Like now it's my team type of thing. What you look at the last two years and you saw this a little bit with um, uh, the quarterback and now who's the quarterback who just transferred Peyton Thorne. Yeah. Peyton Thorne and, and Keon Coleman and, and all these guys is like, I wonder a little bit if after it happened, they just thought like, all right, this is it. We've got it. And they didn't say, but what, how did we get it? Right. What did we have to do in 2021 to establish this type of, you know, positive toughness and as, you, as this, the word you used and and all these different things? And they kind of just thought like we're there, we're over the hump. Now we got it. Let's just roll. You have to reestablish it every single season, and you just haven't seen it the last two years. And I, whether it was Peyton Thorne, now it's Noah Kim. Like I would ask you right now, who's the leader of this Michigan State football team? You know who I was going to answer that question with. <clears throat> I think it's the freshman linebacker Jordan wow. Hall. Okay, and and and, and nothing and, against of uh, uh, nothing against him, but it can't no, be. It no. can't be. It, and you're right, it can't be. But like you have to think of like 
which kids right now, and Darius Snow is another one. Okay, he's an upperclassman. Maybe he just came back, right? He was, he, he played for the first time mm-hmm. since his injury knocked him out of last season. Uh, I believe it was in the second game or first game when he got dinged up and, you know, couldn't play and had a lot of, you know, battled to get back, and now he's back. He He can be a leader on that defensive side. The freshman Jordan Hall can be a leader on that defensive side. Offensively, though, I mean, Nate Carter is a transfer, so he's been there for eight months. So mm-hmm. how how do you really say? I know what it's like. To, I know what it's like. To, what it takes to be a Spartan. I know what it takes to 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 you know lead this football team. Eh. Noah Kim got benched. Eh. Yeah. Uh, wide receivers. Trey Mosley, great, great, great kid. Met him, talked to him, covered him. You know, saw his rise from West Bloomfield to where he is now. Eh. Yeah, he's he, you know what I mean? He could be that 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 stalwart, you know, senior voice. But other than that, you have such young players. Tyrell Henry, redshirt freshman. You've got Antonio Gates, Jr., the wide receiver, another redshirt freshman. So you've got a lot of young, I think, good talent that can potentially get there. But when you're going up against a team like a Washington who's got the premier quarterback, yeah, I would argue. Yeah. I mean, who's better than him right now as far as, like, across the country? Nobody, it's, it's the, nobody is. I right. mean, there's a lot of guys playing right. pretty yeah, yeah, well. Yeah. Caleb Williams, yeah. Bo like, Nick, look, but, but JJ, he's the J, best. J.J. McCarthy is would be in that, that same tier, yeah, right? Yeah, and we'll like, get into that in a minute but, here. But, like, Michael Penix Jr. is a 60. He's a man playing amongst boys. And, yeah. and, and I mean that in, like, the and nicest way possible. He's probably making himself a lot of money. Oh, too. absolutely. And he's going to be a top First round pick. I don't know how high, you know, quarterbacks we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But like there was just such a, 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 mm-hmm. I think the thing that disappoints me the most is that these guys had such an opportunity to, to write a really cool story about themselves and write a really cool story. And you and I talked about it. A saying, legacy, yeah. This could be a legacy game. This could be that program moment where you say, we don't care. And uh, you know, part of it, part of it, it's like, I, and again, I am I, I never, never, never will I put like all this onus on these kids. I don't believe that you and I believe right. in, in, in tearing down 18 to 20 no, year olds. No. Like it's not what I no. got in this business for. I, I don't, I don't do it. So I'm, I'm trying to like be critical of my team as best I can without like saying, well, you stink and you're yeah. no good. And that that's not how I want to want to do this. But I honestly, I, I truly believe like this coaching staff has never shown me even that year with 11 wins and 21. I never really was like, this is the greatest offense I've ever seen. And this defense is they're They're stopping. They didn't yeah, stop anybody. Yeah. They just happened to get some timely turnovers and win games by with scoring more points. But, they had, a, they were great finishers and they were great kind of opportunistic in 2021, uh, but they weren't a stout defense and, and offensively. Yeah. I mean, they relied a lot on Kenneth Walker. Then the play action passes that, uh, Peyton Thorne was able to take advantage with the guys that he had sure. down the field were terrific. So, you know, Justin, um, you're, you're right. I, I saw a lot of headlines after this that like placed the blame on Mel Tucker, you know, which I think avoids placing the blame on the players, but it also avoids placing the blame on the coaches who other than Mel Tucker, everybody else is still here right. and they didn't have those guys ready. My final question about Michigan state and my final thought before we move on to talk about uh, Michigan and an underwhelming performance against Bowling Green is the Mark D'Antonio factor now. So you mentioned that as a, a, a fan of this program for until the Mel Tucker era, um, what Mark D'Antonio had established was toughness for 10 years. And you could say if they lost the game, you could still say 
Well, you're going to walk away and know that they played ferociously and the other team took a lot of shots to the face, right? Like they got, they got bloody. Mm -hmm. So now what does Mark D'Antonio do? Because like, is there a schism here? Like does Mark D'Antonio try to get more hands on and like try to establish that toughness in the locker room? Or I mean, if this is really Harlan Bennett's show, then Mark D'Antonio is really not much more than a figurehead who is showing up in kind of a rah-rah because I think they could really use a lot of Mark D'Antonio right now. But I don't know that that's going to be his place. I mean, is is he at every practice now? Is he in the yeah. locker room? Yeah, all those different things. That I, I could see where Mark D'Antonio should be the guy to kind of try to get that back. But that's a whole other can of worms right. about what do you like? Who is the head coach? Who's doing this or that? Right. Well, and and look, Arlen Barnett is a you know, if you want to talk about coaching trees, if you will, he's a Mark D'Antonio guy. So he's going to have his mentor on the sidelines in the rooms with him. I mean, mm -hmm. look, D'Antonio came. Yes, he was around the program. He would stop by and he would take a picture at practice and then he would leave and go down to Florida. And like, you know what I mean? Like the guy's retired, right? Yeah. So he's not going to have the ins and the outs. He's not going to know. And, and maybe after another week of practice, knowing that, hey, our right, Big Ten season's here now. Like, yes, a disappointing loss. You can still go out and win your first three Big Ten games. It's still in front of you. You can still go out and you can win this week at homecoming against Maryland. And then you get, uh, I believe you go on the road and you have a tough game at, at Iowa. And Iowa's not some world beater out there. Like, I mean, they're going to, but they're going to, they're going to out tough you. So maybe Mark comes in and he has a little bit more time. Maybe can I start identifying some of the guys that are maybe buried on the depth chart? weren't getting as much run or weren't getting as much responsibility and say, Hey, that guy's tougher than that guy. Let him play. And, and maybe that's what they do. Maybe they say, you know what? We're going to let the toughest guys, the ones that work the hardest play instead of, you know, the, the whole, the best players are going to play. That's that, that's that difference. And that's that Mark D'Antonio difference. He would take the two, three star kids. They would outwork the four star kids and they would play and everyone would scratch their head and go, well, why isn't our better player playing? Because didn't yes he yeah. is because yeah. he's the better football player yeah so maybe another week or two of, of of that type of like analysis and like looking at it from a little bit but michigan state look we'll, we'll the the pod that comes out later this week you know we'll talk about what they need to do against maryland but i honestly think like you got you got molly whopped you got embarrassed you got at home of all uh, against you know and, and i thought the fans were great I want to give a little bit of a shout out to Spartan Nation. No boo birds. Understanding like the kids were thrown in a terrible situation. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? A lot of people stayed for a good chunk of that game and they didn't have to. I mean, I know it thinned out at halftime, but like, you know, going to do that. But like, for, by and large, that lower bowl stayed true. And and I was I was I was happy to see that because I mean, I, I basically turned the game off. I, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't stomach it because there's just no no fight back, no pushback. And then, you know, you had the 99-yard drive against their second string late in the game for the only score of the game. So putting a bow on Michigan State, look, you got you to gotta, you gotta continue to circle the wagons. You got to continue yeah, to yeah. say, who are we? Who do I want to be? Whether I play at Michigan State next year or I'm playing somewhere else, it's just like the NFL. All tape is tape. Well, and I'll, what you I'll, put down there is what people are going to see and what they're going to recognize. And we'll get into this in the, the pod later on this week, but their next three games are Maryland, Rutgers, and Iowa. I mean, Maryland, Iowa, then a bye week in Rutgers. And and we'll get into talking more about Rutgers uh, later on because Michigan faces them this week. 
Um, they're, these are not pushovers. These are not, these are not even teams that Michigan State will probably be favored against. Right. Uh, these are, both of them are three and no teams right now. Um, are all three of them are three and no teams right now. But when you look at, you know, those three games versus having to play Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, these are three games that if you are a Spartan, you are looking for some silver lining, some hope. These are three games that are potentially winnable games for Michigan State. They do have the buy-in there with all the Mel Tucker stuff's going to happen. So um, we'll cross that. But Justin, before we move on to Michigan, uh, to support your team, um, you know, those games coming up, you can still look good. Oh, yeah. And you, uh, look you've, good. you of course, look good here today. Well, or at I least try. the T-shirt looks good. Yeah. Nudge Printing. Nudgeprinting.com. Uh, you know, 25-plus universities, lots of different uh, apparel, swag. I think it's really cool because not only are these, like, really comfortable T-shirts, they fit really great if you do, like, one curl like me. It's <laughs> nice. But they got the licensed stuff. Yeah, you know, you got yeah. Gruff Sparty. They've got, you know, classical, traditional, uh, you know, garb and whatnot, different color patterns, all sorts. Check them out, nudgeprinting.com. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Twitter. You can check their entire catalog out. They've got a lot of really unique stuff, not only for Michigan State, but other schools as well. Unfortunately for you, no Michigan. but No you Michigan. You you owe me a either I, Iowa or Northwestern. We're I thought I was going to get you, a, yeah, maybe a Duke one. I'm thinking maybe I'm going to switch to Duke. But nudgeprinting.com, uh, give them a shout, give them a check them out, and, uh, and, and see, if, uh, see if you can find something for your game day swag. Yeah, I like it. Game day swag in Ann Arbor was uh, at a well, low hum I on mean, Saturday? I will say this. I didn't go to the game, but uh, my brother did, my sister-in-law did, my uh, nieces did, and they talked about the light show. They, had, they unveiled the new scoreboard. They had this new light show. Uh, so there was actually a lot of energy at the big house on Saturday and Michigan came right down first drive, scored a touchdown. Uh, second drive looked like they were going to score a touchdown and JJ McCarthy got picked off the first of three interceptions on the day um, in the back of the end zone. And from then on, uh, Justin, it was a game that was unexpected, underwhelming. However you want to describe it, Michigan won 31 to six, but um, you know, even the hardcore Michigan fan, walked away from it going like, eh, like what, what was that? And here you are now three games, three non-conference opponents that we have joked about, uh, that we can get into a little bit. I think, I think the coaches, the fact that they did use this rotation, they never appointed a interim head coach with Jim Harbaugh out. They did four coaches in three games. I think probably was, in my opinion, was not the right move. I've heard from multiple people in the athletic department who thought it was a little bit of, uh, you, you know, you, you had this almost a little bit of like a circus around the program that they didn't need for these three games. And ultimately you had three games that you were favored in each one between like 38 and 42. You never covered in any of them. Um, in the first two games, you had running game problems. In the third game, you had a passing game problem. Now you're going to go into the big 10 season and you're just hoping that Michigan has not been there mentally, that they are ready to flip a switch because it has been just so, so, and, and, you know, people say, well, they, it's better to be three and oh, than oh, and three or three and oh, than two and one or whatever like that. And I get it. But when you're going to play this type of non-conference season style points do matter. And Michigan didn't pick up any style points in these three games. They looked, they looked like a very good team, but they certainly didn't look like the number two team in the country. That is a national championship contender. Okay. Well, would you say that Georgia looks like a national championship no. team? And, and, and that's where yeah. you, you have to Texas, when, Florida state barely mm -hmm. survives against Boston college. When you, when you look at like the top echelon teams and, and that's why, you know, I mean, I understand that, that Washington and Oregon, like a lot of those PAC 12, I mean, new big 10 teams, um, mm -hmm. 
they put like when Oregon put up 71 points on Portland State yeah, in like yeah. week one, everyone was like, eh, cool, whatever. You know, like then then Michigan wins 31 to six, then you go, Oh, seven to six at halftime. What's going on in Ann Arbor? And and then Georgia, you know, was was losing. Yeah. And they didn't look Alabama was you know, I already lost the game to Texas, but yeah. like they didn't look, you know. No. It, it, it is it is definitely one of those things where like what's the focus level? If Michigan would have been hosting a eighth ranked team last week, do you think they would have played to the standard that they did? There is something true about you play you 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 want to try to be better than that's where coaching can really help you is don't play down to your opponent, mm-hmm. play up and stay up all the time. We execute at a hundred percent as much as we possibly can, and then when you're like, well, it's Bowling Green, I mean, what are they going to really do here? Uh, that's where I always like, you know, it's easy to kind of just like say, oh, are they as bad? Now, some of the numbers are jarring when you consider that Michigan only had 312 yards of total offense right. against the Mac mid meddling right. Mac team. And they gave up 203. That, 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 that's fine. Like if that was, if the game was 203 yards, total offense to bowling, and you're like, okay, good defense was there. And then you look at the offense, you go, oh, Mm-hmm. Four turnovers, uh, three interceptions, and a fumble. No, that's not that's not really going to do it for me. But at the same time, you were never in doubt of actually losing the game, and that's where it's like we've seen good teams play bad football. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying Michigan played terrible football, but they didn't play great football. They didn't play really good football, but they won the game. And that, and at the end of the season, you think you and I are going to go? All right, Michigan went. 12 and 0 and they're headed to the college football playoff. But you remember how bad they played no, against Bowling not. Green? No, like, absolutely not. You're, nobody cares. You're absolutely you're hundred percent correct, Justin. And your and your point about, you know, the that type of mental like not being locked in. I mean, you'd like them to be, right? You talk about how there's only 12 games, there's only 12 right. guaranteed opportunities. Yep. And these are young men between 18 and 22, or now with Michael Penix Jr., like 30. 30. <laughs> um that you should be able to. We didn't plan that, folks. Um, that you should be able to, you know, be hundred percent focused, but, but look at, look at Florida state, Florida state goes out there, beats LSU in what was the most impressive win of the season 100%. until Texas beat Alabama in Alabama. And then they struggle with a, a, a bad Boston college team. Right. And Texas goes into Tuscaloosa and hands crimson tide, their first loss of the, you know, non-conference and forever. And then they come back and they're struggling. They're in a fourth quarter game with Wyoming. Why yep. does that happen? Because Teams, even the best teams, struggle to get up against when the stakes are not that high. Right. And I think you saw a lot, a lack of focus. And you saw a lack of focus in all three games for Michigan. Um, you saw some tinkering with the offensive line as they're trying to figure things out. I, I do think that Jim Harbaugh saying, hey, we're going to go with, uh, you know, one guy for week one, and we're going to go with two coaches for week two, and we're going to go with a different guy for week three. And, you know, you... Not only I, I don't point this out. Not only do you have uh, a little bit of instability where you don't need to have it, um, but you also have that particular week. Instead of the running backs coach and the passing game for, coordinator focus on his thing, he's also trying to be the head coach that week. Right. And then you have the offensive coordinator in week three who who comes back from his suspension, and now he's trying to be the offensive coordinator and the head coach. Like you would have been better off taking more of a figurehead, someone who doesn't have a massive role, and saying you're going to be the head coach for the for all three games. And let Jesse Minner be the DC and let Sharon Moore be the OC and let Mike Hart and Kirk Campbell and all these guys just do their jobs and do it really well. Right. All week. So, you know, I think I think looking back on it, hindsight's 2020, but I, you know, I would have approached it differently. 
Um, I think now you've got a Rutgers team who is 3-0. We'll get more into that in the, in the podcast coming up on Friday. But when you look at this game, a lot of people say, well, J.J. McCarthy had a really poor performance. He had three bad picks. Now, you listen to the coaches afterwards, and they say, well, one of them was really his fault. One of them was trying to throw the ball away. And I don't really know that I buy that because the third interception along the sideline, he says, like, I'm trying to throw the ball away. Hey, dude, I'm sorry, but I've seen people throw the ball away. You know where that ball ends up? It usually ends up in the first row. It doesn't end up, like, right on the sideline for the guy to pick it off. If you're going to throw it away, throw the ball away. All you have to do in college games is be outside the pocket and get it to the line of scrimmage, and you can throw the ball away. You are, you're outside the pocket, and you've got a good enough arm outside the pocket running against your body to probably throw it to Ohio. <laughs> like, just throw the ball out of bounds. So throw I, the ball out of Yeah, bounds. so I don't buy that. I don't give him an excuse. So he had two bad picks in this one. I do think, you know, it's an overreaction to say, like, oh, he's in, you know, look where JJ's had it or anything no, like that. No, 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 no. But let, let, me, yeah. let, let me give you an example that I think most – uh, most people can recognize, especially if you play golf. Okay. So I was in a golf tournament this weekend. How'd you do that golf tournament? We'll get there. <laughs> but, but long story short is we ended up, you know, and I played thousands, if mm-hmm. not tens of thousands of rounds of golf in my life. And I've swung the golf club more times than I can probably count. I couldn't even guess, but we ended up winning our flight. So we get into a shootout. Mm-hmm. The 12 teams that won their flights all play, and I was the third person to hit the tee shot in the first playoff hole. It was going to be eliminated by half for the three holes that we okay. played the playoff. Okay. So the whole time, I'm, I know we won our flight. I'm, I'm warming up on the range. My focus level changed. It was different. Yeah. And I went up there after the first flight, which is better golfers, lower handicap golfers. The first two flights te- technically are better golfers than me. They hit okay tee shots. I stepped up there with all of the focus and determination in the world saying, I'm the best golfer in this group. Mm -hmm. And I hit the best drive of all 12. My partner put it eight feet. We made par. We move on to the next hole. I was focused for the next shot. I made a six foot down the hill putt to put us into top three. Mm -hmm. And from there on, it just, the focus was just different. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, and how many times have I swung a golf club where it didn't matter? The yep. stakes were not as yep. high and I flared it outright or I hooked it left or I topped it or whatever the case may be. You go, oh, well, you know, okay, we'll get him next time. Yeah. And that's kind of how you have to like, think like sometimes like in sports, especially these young kids, it's bowling green for God's sakes. Yeah. We're not going to lose this game. You think that if they got down in the fourth quarter, they weren't going to be able to muster up the, the talent, the skill, the focus Absolutely. to win that game. And that's where it's like, it's different when you're going up against a Washington. And if you don't have that focus from the jump, you're going to be 14, nothing, 21, nothing, 35, nothing at halftime. And you're what are you going to do then? Right? You cannot, you're, the wind is out of your sails. And, and that's, you played golf. If you've, you've ever tripled the first hole and doubled the second, you're like, might as well just go home. This ain't turning around today. Yeah. But right. if you go out and you make par and you're like, okay, hey, you know what? I can play. So the ebbs and the flows of, of that mindset of like playing up to your competition, down to your competition, it exists. It's real. It can't be avoided and it can't be ignored. And I think that Michigan, this was the last, like, I don't want to say gut check, but in a little way, in a bit of both Michigan and Michigan State have gone, are going into this week of practice saying, who are we? Yeah. Are we going to be the team that's going to vie for a national championship, college football playoff, Big Ten championship. It starts now. Yep. Even yep. though it's Rutgers, it starts now. And for Michigan State, it's, hey, are we going to let this thing spiral out of control? We go from 2-0 and to 2-1 and to 2-2? and Or do we protect home, at home against Maryland, who's not 
they have very similar style to Washington as far as like spreading you out, throwing the ball around and stuff like that. Don't let the same mistakes bite you twice. Learn from them. Try to get a victory at home. Then you're all of a sudden you're one and zero in Big Ten play. Things can start to maybe yeah, snowball yeah. the right way or the wrong way. I mean, it's going to be very interesting over the next three weeks to watch what Michigan State does and Michigan for that matter. Yeah. Do they steamroll these first three? Which I believe they should. They should. We'll see. They should. And and I would take that as a very positive sign if you look at Rutgers, Nebraska, and Minnesota, the first three Big Ten games. You are it is a different mindset. The conference season, Jim Harbaugh comes back, uh, and and even those those three opponents. Now you look at where they are. I think Minnesota is uh, is, is what one and two, or or they've they've lost North Carolina recently. One and two, yeah. Uh, Nebraska's one and two. They just had their first win. They were going to play Louisiana Tech this weekend, so they'll probably be two and two. Um, you know, Rutgers is not lost, but they're still Rutgers. But even then, they are Big Ten opponents. It is about the conference season. If we, if Michigan is the program that we think they are, they are a number two team. It won't matter if those programs are struggling overall. They will go out and they will handle their business like they should, like they haven't yet in the non-conference. It, it won't matter if Michigan State or if Michigan recognizes that we're the team to beat. We're not going to let anybody even touch us. Mm -hmm. And they have to have that mentality. They have to go into these these three games. They should. Th these are Bowling Green's three of them in a row. It, it, quite honestly, yeah, they're going to be a little pushback. They're going to try. There is absolutely no way on God's green earth that they lose any of these next three games. I've seen Minnesota yeah. play, and if you think that, so would you argue? Would you think that Michigan has more talent than North Carolina? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they stomped Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Or. And, 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 and like yeah. that, that, that is, that was one right. of those bets this weekend where I said, I'm hammering the number. They're going to yeah. cover seven and a half. There's no yeah. way Minnesota can hang with that. Without same thing said, Rutgers is the same thing. Nebraska. I've seen that team. That team is not going to like, they might get one like broken play to score on you. And they're not methodically going to move the ball down the field on a Michigan defense. Like you have three more weeks to start to ramp it up and ramp it up and and beat these teams. And you Absolutely. don't think that Jim Harbaugh's first message when he comes out on Absolutely. that Saturday is I'm back. Yeah. We're back. Enough of this bullshit. Enough yeah. of this. We yeah. are going to focus on the things that we're going to focus on, beat these teams, and they're going to start covering. They yeah. better start covering. <laughs> well, you're a better. I'm not a better, but yeah. I, they got to start covering. Come yeah. on, Absolutely. Michigan. Cover. Absolutely. This weekend, if you're looking for a place to stay, uh, for Friday night, Michigan playing at noon against Rutgers. We're looking for a place to stay on Friday night, Saturday night. Our good friends at Weber's Ann Arbor uh, has great accommodations. They've got the pool. They've got the, uh, the the cabana around the pool where it's open on Friday and Saturday nights to, to enjoy yourself. They've got all these beautiful rooms that overlook the pool atrium that you can go sit on on your balcony uh, and maybe still catch the, the football game inside the room. They have uh, uh, the Habitat Lounge where they've got football on on Saturday night if you want to watch it after the Rutgers game. An outstanding dinner, outstanding breakfast. Uh, Prime Rib is arguably the best in the state. Um, it is what does they hang their hat on, but so many different options. Uh, and they have some rooms available, not a lot. Not a lot. I spoke to them this week. Not a lot of rooms left for this weekend's game against Rutgers, but you can get in right now by going to WebersAnnArbor.com and book your stay today. Uh, I am Michael Spath. When we come back on Friday, we'll look ahead to the games this weekend. Homecoming for both teams. What does homecoming mean to you, Justin? I'll share a little bit about what it means to me. Also look back at the non-conference overall. What did we like? What did we not like? Um, maybe give me who your top three players are on Michigan State and who they need to be mm. in the next couple of games. We'll get into that on the Friday pod. 
You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelSpathITH. I'm at J-Rose-D-E-T. Thanks for listening, everybody. Michael, I love you. But you're an idiot. A Michigan, Michigan State podcast.